Welcome to Aligned Attraction, the go-to intimacy podcast for powerful women. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Lee Noto, master intimacy coach and psychedelic therapist, and I help powerful women like you unleash your wild feminine power so you can create heart-throbbing love. Each week, you'll hear from me and other experts on love, sex, and relationships, and I'll also coach women like you to create the most delicious transformation in their love lives. You ready? Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Way of the High Priestess. I am so delighted today because I am joined by not one, but two delightfully sexy and gorgeous and intelligent women on the show today. This is my first time having two guests on the show at the same time. Yeah, if if you're watching this on YouTube, Lex just held her fingers up and whispered the words threesome. It would be a really hot threesome. I <laughs> Heard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is the first time I'm having two guests on the show at the same time outside of couples that I've spoken to. And I'm really excited for this. I'm really excited for a dynamic conversation amongst three women who are on a journey through beautiful inner work and service in the world. And so I want to introduce who's with me today. We have Alexa Lex Bowditch. That is that how I pronounce your last name? Bowditch. Bowditch. Okay. Bowditch. Bowditch. Okay. Yeah, that's Jordan's <laughs> nickname. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Bowditch. I was going to say Martinez, but I'm like, that's not her last name anymore. It's not it anymore. All right. Yes. <laughs> And she is the owner of Sex and Love Co. And this is a brilliant company who serves to help coaches develop in their mastery and business skills around sex and love coaching, as well as the individual who's interested in developing in this way also. And then I'm also joined by Bryn Daler, and she's the head coach at Sex and Love Co. Her focus is sex, love, and embodiment, and she's the CMO of the company. And I like to say chief mistress, but that would be chief marketing officer. <laughs> I'll take both. Okay. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Babes, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lee. Excited to be your first threesome on the podcast. And do it. Same. Okay. So I want to start a little bit by talking about how you got here, but I want to approach this from a different direction because anytime someone asks me that question on a podcast, I'm like, I don't know. I've got like 32 years of history to tell you about. How much time do you have? Um, But I imagine that as little girls, and correct me if I'm wrong, you weren't like, one day I'm going to grow up and be a sex coach. Like, that's what I want to do. So what was like the one or few things that either were your biggest challenges or your biggest desires that pulled you toward this work? And Lex, we'll start with you. Okay. It's hard because I feel that I feel like all 33 years led, <laughs> led me to this place also. And I'm like, oh, biggest challenges, deepest desires. I I did not see this coming at all. Uh, I went to school. I thought I was going to do something that either had to do with psychology or psychiatry or biological sciences. 
I was originally in school for forensics, um, by the biological sciences part of forensics. And I just didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew I needed to go to college. Um, and I grew up in the South, deep South in Louisiana, very Catholic ish upbringing. And so, you know, sex and relationships looked a very particular way. Um, as far as what I was told I was supposed to want, not necessarily what was modeled for me. Some parts of relationships that I know now in relationships weren't modeled for me at all. So the first time I'm experiencing it is now as an adult. So, you know, the things that, that really stand out as I heard you, you know, just describing what you wanted, how you would like for us to introduce ourselves. Uh, the, the one things that or the one thing that really stands out from my upbringing was self-pleasure and how early I figured that out, mm -hmm. that touching myself in a particular way led to really, really, really good feelings. And then sometimes really, really good feelings, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And I only understood as I grew up that that's the no-no zone. You don't touch that. And so as I grew up, eventually going to Catholic school, I realized that was masturbation, which the word masturbation literally means to defile and waste time. Mm. And the church is, this is a no, you're, you are, um, this is a sin. So what I learned as I continued to grow up is that this thing feels good. And at, at first, when I figured it out, there was no sexual connection made. It was just a thing that felt good in my body and some quiet, peaceful time that I got to be with myself. Yeah. And so, you know, a five or a six-year-old isn't thinking about, you know, some crazy scenario in their head. You know, for me, I wasn't thinking about anything crazy. It was just something that felt really good. Mm -hmm. And as I continue to grow up, you know, eventually the thoughts and the feels started to turn, take a more sexual turn. But what I understood was that I needed to keep this secret. I needed to be quiet. I needed to bear down. I needed to make sure that I didn't make any sounds mm -hmm. and I couldn't even let my energy get big enough for it to alert and have someone maybe in a different part of the house come and check on me. And so what I learned was my pleasure needed to be kept very secret, very contained, and it needed to be pretty much silent. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think back on my life and I'm like, wow, that is definitely a lesson that as I continue on this journey, and I'm, I've been in this field and been in this work for over five years, but I look back on my life itself and this that connection or that scenario playing out over and over in my youth is something that I will forever be trying to unravel and and detach from and because what I've realized is that now in partnership and pleasure with myself that there's so much more available yeah. if I breathe big if I make sounds if I actually invite movement if I am willing to take up space with my pleasure and my sex and all of that and it is super challenging mm -hmm. so so at, just as you ask I don't know why that was the first thing that came up so it's a part of what I do is helping people do the same thing that I'm working on yeah in a lot of ways yeah beautiful and it's it's so fascinating because I feel like as we're on any sort of personal development journey, we're looking back to moments that be, have become so significant in our adult lives that we made no meaning of as children, but have a huge impact in how we operate as adults. So it's, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. So good. As you're sharing too, I'm thinking about one of my best friends in elementary school. We, I think she discovered masturbation first. And I was like, Hey, you got to try this thing. And I remember being a little girl 
in our separate twin beds, like side by side, just self-pleasuring and be like, wow, this is great. How's it going over there for you? I'm like, we just didn't know. (laughs) It just felt so good. And again, it's exactly what Lex said. It's like, until the world tells you it's wrong, right? Not having the understanding or the context. And my story is a little different. So I actually am one of the few women I come in contact with that didn't have any religious or societal shame from my immediate family. I grew up in a really open household. I feel really blessed about that, where my mom used proper anatomy with me. I remember going to school and teaching everyone in my class where babies came from and getting in a lot of trouble because I was using words like vagina and sex and penis. And apparently that's not okay (laughs) to use proper anatomy and to tell them that it's not from a fucking stork. Um, I'm like, no, no, everyone's got this wrong. I've got the real details. (laughs) Did you also crush their hopes and dreams about Santa? Probably being that I'm Jewish. So I just wrecked people's dreams from a young age. Um, And so I came into this world with a really open um, and beautiful connection to my body. And my mom also taught me that sex is between people who love each other and that sex can feel good and that you don't have to wait until marriage. And so I had a really positive upbringing when it came to sexuality. However, Even with all of that incredible context, my challenge was consistently being a very open sexual woman before the world knew how to handle her, before I knew how to handle myself. So here I am hearing at home that sex is beautiful and can be connected and this is my anatomy and it's for pleasure. And then I put that in front of a 14-year-old boy that did have programming that was to say that I was a slut or that I was to be used for my sex and nothing else, or that because I liked sex that I couldn't be taken seriously and that I was stupid. And so it was so confusing because my programming was not matched with what the world was showing me. And it was heartbreaking. And on top of that, I had an absent father for the beginning of my life. So my constant challenge was how do I relate this to the masculine? How do I show up, have sex and not leave feeling so empty when my mom said, this is how it's supposed to be. But here I am leaving interaction after interaction, feeling worse and worse about myself. And this self-destructive path just perpetuated until even in through my marriage, I found myself going here. I am actually with a man who's safe and loving yet sex still doesn't feel good. I still can't figure this out. Mm. And it wasn't until actually we separated that I said, fuck this enough. Like I have to know what fulfilling and pleasurable sex feels like. And that's when I hired Alexa. Mm. Is that how your relationship started? Sure is. She was my sex coach. (laughs) Okay. So let's just take a quick detour. First of all, thank you both for sharing. That's so beautiful to have such differently contrasted stories arriving at the same point in present day. So you hired Lex as your sex coach and what, at that point, what were you like, what was the, the intention and what did you hope most to get out of it? And then I want to hear from Lex's point of view, what that experience was like for her. Totally. So I had started the self-development journey around 28, 29, where got to this place in my life where I said, I have everything society told me I'm supposed to. I got the husband, the house, the 
we had two businesses, the dogs, the friends, blah, blah, blah. And I was fucking dead inside, like truly dead inside. I felt nothing. I felt a lack of anything. I was numb. Um, and there was this constant ping of there's gotta be more. There has to be more. I'm too young for this to be the peak of my life. And fast forward through that journey, what I realized was this gaping hole in my development. I had done story work and understood somatics and my childhood and started to unpack like what little Bryn needed. And all of these things were wonderful and beautiful, but they didn't translate to sex. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting to this point where I'm like, uh, sex is feels broken for me and I don't know how to fix it. And I don't even know if there is a way to fix this. And lo and behold, I see a post and I don't even remember how I followed you, how I, we were brought into each other's awarenesses, but I remember this post by this woman whose energy was just powerful and sexual yet not overbearing. Like you weren't, you know, fully naked, dripping with sex in the way that I think society thinks that we need to be or has deemed sex to be. And I remember just thinking there's something here. And I literally scheduled a call with her. Um, I just moved to Austin, Texas, didn't even have Wi-Fi. I had to go sit at a Starbucks, had like $0 to my name. And she's launching this course that was basically develop your sexuality and then learn how to step into it as a profession. And before that, it wasn't even on my awareness. So I went, okay, not only am I going to work on this, but I think I want to do it for a living. (laughs) (laughs) And that was our call. That was our entry point. Wow. Wow. I'll let Lex chime in on the second half because I know there's a lot more there. Sure. Uh, I, I remember that call very well. And I remember this little tiny creature backlit sitting in front of a window in Starbucks, cried several times on the call because of all of the bigness that was happening in your life. And, and it was so beautiful to, to have a front row seat at watching you manage and handle all of these things and, and continuously choose yourself at a time when it was like, that was the only choice you were giving yourself. I'm going to choose myself after so many years of not. And it was just like one thing after another, the move, the career, the living in the RV, there was, there's just a lot that was going on. And I felt really honored to be a part of all of those things that you were choosing, you know, for yourself. And it's really sweet to be, you know, asked these questions. And I, I did just go get a massage. I do have like oil that I accidentally rubbed too close to my eyes. So my eyes are already a little bit burning. And then we start talking about our love story and I'm that much closer to crying on my oh. own <laughs> because, you know, fast forward a couple of years now and there's so much that we have in our brands and in our business that is because of our gifts. And I remember, I remember on that call being like, there's something about her. She's cool. I want to hang out with her, but also like, let's develop our teacher mentee kind of dynamic and let's, you know, establish and make sure we've got a good grounding, a good establishment establishment there. But really I'm friends with all of my clients you know, I want to go hang out with them. And so, you know, there's some that I would like to hang out more with more than others. And Bren was one of those people. And so we were going to some of the same events and eventually I was like, I think she's making eyes at me. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, so, like our stars are crossed in some kind of way. And Bryn's now had 
like her spiritual healers and teachers and her numerologist and all kinds of people that, that she's worked with. She's asked them about me because we spend so much time together and I'm always curious what they have to say. And do you want to share what you heard? Was it from your numerologist or someone? Yeah. So a lot of times they'll tell you what, um, patterns you had with this person karmically in a previous life. And I remember sitting at the dinner table with Lex one night and part of my journey was healing from chronic illness over the past couple of years and being in an environment in work where I was still being so supported and held and loved where I was while also building my dreams and honoring where I was at. And the numerologist said, Lex was my doctor in my past life. Oh, I know. Isn't that precious? Mm -hmm. And we both started to cry in that moment. And I I don't know if it's true, but I like it. It's very (laughs) sweet. Holy shit. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think our connection does feel very much like we've known each other. Like this isn't the first time the comfort level that's present between the two of us is just like, it's delicious. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think people that work with us can feel that, that we mean mm-hmm. it, that we care about each other and we care about the work that we do, because I realized in, as you were progressing and going through your own work, the way that you showed up so fully and dynamically and willing to do the actual work, um, that is required in order to have a really pleasure filled, expansive life mm-hmm. inside and out through and through mm-hmm. that was, that wasn't, that's not a hard, that's not an easy path for most people. And the way that you showed up like that, I was like, yeah, I want to have her on my team. And so I focus a lot on the sex education and the sexual wellness. And I love, like, like I mentioned, I went to school biological sciences. I want to tell you about the tissues and what they do and how much time it takes before they're in this certain state. And I like all the sciencey stuff. And what Bryn's really, really good at is the the movement in the, in the human body, the energy, the emotions, the feelings. Mm -hmm. And so between the two of us, I think people get a really well-rounded experience because I'm not busy trying to do what Bryn does really organically and naturally. And she can rely on me to be the nerd. And so we blend our things together and we've created um, some really beautiful programs. And of course the company that is continuing to grow year after year um, is they get, they get all of that too. Plus, plus another couple of people in the mix now, but it really did start. Um, the pandemic was beginning and Bren was sitting across my really long outdoor table back when we were like, we can't get anywhere close to each other. And we had to be outside to have this meeting. And I was like, do you want to date me? (laughs) Is those the words you use? I do. Yeah. Something like that. Do you want to, it was like being, be in the business. Do you want to work with me? Date me. Wow. So funny. And when I think to, to what I see consistently for both of us in terms of, I think why people have really learned so much from our individual and now collective experiences is we both have our own way of leading with an open heart. Hmm. And when we share from that place of vulnerability and like, hey, I'm in the trenches with you, I'm just a couple steps ahead. And here's how I transmuted and learned from that fucking heartbreak that had me on the bathroom floor sobbing. It's relatable. People Mm. go, oh God, I was just there or I'm in it. Please help me. Please share with me what's possible on the other side. And I think that's something we've both been radically committed to is share from Mm-hmm. vulnerability and from an open heart and yeah. cause sex and love is crunchy, man. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, that's something that has always stood out to me about both of your content individually and just collectively is that there's a lot of authenticity. There's a lot of realness. It's, it's not often that I would go to either of your pages and not see something from your personal lives. And there's value, there's realness, there's vulnerability, there's expression, there's challenge. And that's something that I, I really admire about both of you as leaders and women is that you're not afraid to go into the challenge. You're not afraid to talk about it. You're not afraid to share your lessons learned, to be seen in challenging feeling emotions and crying in all of the things. And that's certainly what we need more of for sure, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to sex and love, which nobody taught us how to do. Um, So a lot of what I've also really received from both of you is you're talking about the journey of your relationships and how those impact your work and obviously how it shapes how you show up in your personal life. Mm -hmm. So Lex recently got married to her amazing husband, Jordan, and Bryn, you recently completed your divorce to your amazing ex-husband, Chris. Yeah. And so you're at, uh, you know, I want to say like completely different ends of the spectrum, but something tells me you're not there. Mm. There is something so similar about where both of you are in your groundedness, embodiment, the fact, you know, how, uh, how much you both come into yourselves. So the question that's like coming through here is like, how have your relationships most impacted who you are as a woman now and how have they informed the work that you do? Mm. You know, the, the work that we do, I I shared Lex and I talk about this all the time is how fucking lucky we are that our work, our, our passion in life is mirrored and directly impacted by how deep and how brave we're willing to be in our own personal relationships and how symbiotically those things flow together. And so what better motivation than the thing that I love so much in my life is to be able to serve other women in this way. And I am highly motivated to go deeper within myself because it immediately impacts the amount of women and the level of woman I can serve. And if that's not fulfilling, like I don't know what is. Um, And I'll share, I guess, what's most personal to me now that I'm currently navigating is I've shared this phrase several times on the podcast so far, but it is keeping my heart open, knowing that every heartbreak I experience, every person that is a no to me is leading me closer and closer to this ultimate relationship that I've been in search of and how I can simultaneously feel such pain and sorrow. And yet that brings me closest to my aliveness. Whereas before I was turned off to my emotions and that was ultimately one of the killers of my marriage is I was flat and numb and passive and codependent and everything he did was king and everything that I did was a direct result of what he wanted. And so dating and relationships has taught me over and over again, how not to Mm self-abandon, how to choose myself. I'm surprised I haven't started crying yet because last night while I was in the bathtub, crying over recent heartbreak, the message was, I stay. 
Like that's what I was able to pull from. I'm tired of people leaving. The next layer that came through was, I just want someone who stays. And then another layer to it was, well, I'm going to fucking stay. I stay through all of this. I'm the constant. And I have this deep trust now in myself that I lose at times, but ultimately keep coming back to how valuable I am and how worthy of love that I am. And my consistent learning is to come back to the place where I feel that wholeness while on the search for my King. Mm -hmm. And every time I stray, that's when the universe sort of smacks me around and goes, you know, gives me a man that reminds me what it feels like to be abandoned. Um, because it's ultimately never fully about them. I'm not going to say never about them because sometimes it is <laughs> like, sometimes there's ownership on their side, but, um, ultimately it is, it's a big mirror for how am I treating myself and what am I allowing to come into my life and what am I accepting? And it's also in my clients. I can't even tell you how many times I'm delivering something to them in my head going, well, fuck you hypocrite. When was the last time you self-pleasured? So last night after my calls, I turned everything off. I put red lights on. I seduced myself in the most delicious and deep way where I got to feel the full range of grief. And I was from that place of softness that I then chose to penetrate myself and to feel what it was like to receive something other than you know, from another person, I gave the thing to myself and it felt so fucking good. And this morning I woke up feeling connected to self and this really steadiness, this deep steadiness that I hadn't felt previously. So I hope that that made sense. <laughs> wow. Wow. I'm turned on. Yeah. Beautiful, but yeah. turned on by not necessarily the the sexual aspect of it, but by the rawness, like mm-hmm. the emotionality, the vulnerability, like sh- completely stripped away down to nothing. There's something so primal about that state. Mm-hmm. I think heartbreak, one of you know many emotions, brings us to. It's like a mm-hmm. a surrender because there's nothing yes. you can do about that feeling. You can't engineer your way out of it. It's just like fuck. All right, here I am, universe. Like, let's Buckle let's up. do this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So true. Awesome. Okay. Mm. Lex, do you remember the question? I do. do the yeah, question? I do. And it's difficult because I wanna I wanna jump in here and I wanna and talk apart some respond. of the things that Bryn said and you know show up as as the friend and be like, yeah, yeah. Well, imagine if you didn't do these things and you didn't give this to yourself and then you partner with another person and you halt progress or you halt, you know, your expression or something like that. And I just think about the deeper that you go into this and the deeper that you lean in and like the more you show yourself and the more embodied you become and all these gifts that you give to yourself, the man that can hold that every next layer you go, the man that can hold that. That You know what I mean? Not the stifled version, not the version from several months ago. It's like all of this is a part of the process. Mm-hmm. And you can't skip it. No, I try. <laughs> I have to talk about this well. all the time, right? This whole bypassing thing. Like, you know what? I'm going to have a different way of believing and thinking and being. And so I'm just there. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to manifest and, it. It's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> In the world. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to skip all of the 
the, the layers of myself going through all the layers, I'm going to skip directly to it and just start this new operating system. But my, the journey loops me back around and goes, you're cute here now actually deal with what is the requirement in order to have that as your new mindset or your operating system. Mm -hmm. So I'm so stoked for you and love and sex and all the things, you know, thanks lady. So the, the question, you know, relationships leading me to the woman that I am today, I believe was more or less the the yeah. question. And of course that, that wasn't something that I shared, you know, that wasn't like the immediate thing that, that came up when you asked for me to, to introduce myself, but, um, it is definitely a part of how I do, why I do the work that I do is because I didn't have what I thought were, you know, healthy relationships modeled to me. And my, my mom has been married five times and so she found her greatest love of her life at 50 years old. By that time, I was about to graduate high school. And so my formative years were already said and done. That was number five. So my formative years were men are a revolving door. They abandoned, they leave. And my mom, I never saw her retired. I mean, she's retired military. So she was military, single military mom, my, my whole life. And pretty much all the men that were in her life while I was in my formative years, she was their boss. So I didn't see tears. I didn't see emotion. I didn't see, I didn't see almost anything. And, and because they worked so much, I was left alone a lot with my grandparents who were, was a marriage. That's one of those marriages and relationships where I think they're just living together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like they had four kids, but all they do is bicker mm-hmm. constantly. But some, but other people in my life are telling me that that's love. Mm. Very confusing. Um, so, and then add on the layer of my mom really wanted me to have structure and something that she didn't give to my younger, my older sister, who is much older than I am. So she put me into Catholicism. She wasn't Catholic. And a lot of the family was not really Catholic, but put me into that system through my schooling. So I wound up in, it was a very bizarre combination. So when I say like the word Catholic ish, that's why it was like learning these things and this is what's right and wrong. And these are how, this is how you judge people and Catholics. Do they know how to judge? I can (laughs) say it because I've been indoctrinated. Uh, so, you know, and, but then all of my family is doing totally different things. Everybody's wrong. I'm from, I'm from just sin, you know? So it was, uh, it was quite, quite the, the upbringing of like all these different things of what I saw. And of course this makes me, I think in a lot of ways, really relatable to some people is because I have all these different pieces and parts to my story. Fast forward, um, relationships. I'll just go to one, one of the, the, the juiciest ones that really helped to mold me. Well, I'll touch on the high school sweetheart. I thought, you know what? I'm going to do it differently than my mom did. As long as I do relationships different than what she's been doing, then I should be okay. Mm. And so it took the guy that I started dating my senior year of high school. We made it all the way to the senior year of college. He moved to Mississippi with me and, and he was there. And when our relationship ended, every single thing that I knew about myself just fell to pieces. I had no idea what I liked, what was right or wrong or up or down. And I'd already given my body in a sexual capacity. And so it was just very, very confusing. The whole, the whole process was confusing. That was the first time I ever had a panic attack. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I, for a, a period of time struggled with panic attacks and just extreme anxiety. 
and, and also the intensity of stress, um, acid reflux was really bad. I had a lot of health challenges at, at that time when, when the relationship was on its way out. And then of course, when it ended and it was one of those, like, who am I? And before I could figure out the next piece of who is 22 year old Alexa, I am gifted for my uh, college graduation that I barely got through. I was so hungover walking across the stage. Like, I don't even know how I made it. I was still half in the clothes from the night before. My whole family was in town. I almost missed it. It was a hot mess. And, and we don't, we don't like to talk about it. Um, so, and the, another layer underneath that is that I, my alarm wasn't going off. I think my phone had died and I was in a guy friend's bed, you know, and I'm like, Oh my God, my whole family's here. I'm graduating today. I barely made it. It was just, it was a mess. So before I could like really figure out like, who, what are you doing? Lex is I'm gifted a cruise vacation, this cruise vacation, uh, on this vacation with my mom and my sisters, just the girls for the first time in a long time, I meet a guy. He was a crew member. We fell instantaneously. Like we thought twin flames had to be, it was so intense and so fiery and so passionate that we could not, we couldn't leave each other's energy. It was just instantaneous connection. Mm. Um, I get off of the ship. I was a passenger. I get off the ship two weeks later, like by the end of the cruise, I'm like barely home. And he is sending me messages that he loves me. Two weeks later, he asks me to join him. I shift my studies instead of going to grad school, continuing sciences. I start studying art, art history, um, art mediums, contemporary art so that I can apply and hopefully get accepted to start working for this gallery that's on luxury cruise lines all over the world. So about two to three months after I meet this person who's from South Africa, I join him on a cruise ship and I stayed living on cruise ships as a crew member for almost six years. Four of those years, I was in relationship with this person and this fiery, exciting, beautiful, funny, sing-songy accent man who was obsessed with me was also the person that I experienced the most deceit, lying, cheating, manipulation. And I don't use this next word lightly. And I mean it this time. Like I mean it when I describe this person, especially after lots of research, narcissism. Mm -hmm. But this person was so sweet and kind that the way that all of this was developed and all of it was delivered was beyond. And I again continued to lose myself in this relationship. And I created a fairy tale looking life. Like you hear me, I say six, um, almost six years, you know, four years. And with this person, I have, he proposed after six months of us being together right after I caught him cheating. And I've never caught a partner cheating before. And I stayed. I stayed. I didn't want to let go of the, the facade. I didn't want to let go. I had changed my whole life and I joined this person traveling the world. I needed to make it count. Mm. And I continued to stay based off of his potential. And by the time that I finally said enough, it is just a series of one fucked up story after another before I eventually got off that ship and got onto another and started my two-year career um, as an art director on ships by myself. So that relationship showed me a ton of what I will never put up with ever again. But the thing was that I'm so grateful for everything that I experienced in that relationship. It was like relationship 
emotional development, spiritual development, like all of this. And also by the end of it, it was completely sexless. Mm. So when I say I caught him cheating, but he wouldn't have sex with me and God played a big role in this. So it was, it was like fucked from lots of angles. And like, I wasn't anything. I was not a part of the getting fucked. Yeah. So, you know, my body was my value. I wasn't getting utilized. I couldn't figure out my worth in the whole situation, but he was so dedicated and practically obsessed with me. It was very, very strange. By the end of it, I was like, okay, this is everything. And I know the signs. I will never let this happen to me again. And I completely closed my heart. Hmm. Boundary everywhere. I was so afraid of letting someone in. And so I started eventually, I'll, I'll try to fast forward. I know the story can be kind of long. So I'll fast forward to- Please, I'm like in the rapture <laughs> with you. <laughs> so I, I, again, in the process of trying to figure out who the hell am I, I'm like 26 at this point in the story. And I turned to alcohol. I turned to food. I gained like 30 pounds. I get fired from one of the cruise lines because I was breathalyzed. Fun, funny part of the story. I threw a wet sign, a wet floor sign. Mm-hmm. I threw it down the gangway drunk and they saw it on a camera. Oh, and they knocked on my door. The security knocked on my door at like three in the morning. And I had my art steward, who's a guy that works in my department in my bed with me. And I got basically escorted, like you got to come take a breathalyzer. And I was let go from the ship like the next day or the day after that, next time we were in port. So I had a lot whack me in the face, rock bottom, roll around in the gravel. Like it was really like, you gotta, you gotta get your shit together. And then I threw myself into personal development and health and fitness and through personal development and health and fitness, I lost the weight. I got my head clear, became a great manager, started like getting my life turned around but none of the work that I was doing translated into my sex life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And how I figured that out was I would start interacting with men and some women, and I wouldn't know what to do. And I would turn into this 14 year old kid again. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't know boundaries. I didn't know what I wanted. I couldn't speak up for myself. It was just this, it was crushing to me that it didn't translate. And then I met um, two people, one that introduced me to consensual non-monogamy. And the second one that introduced me to BDSM. And so then that was like, oh, people do this differently than I've ever understood. And so then that started sexual development where I became, that was my next thing that I became absolutely wildly fascinated because I had some people show me things that I could have never gifted to myself. I could have never figured out on my own. Thank goodness though, that these people were beautiful humans, because I can imagine meeting people like this at a different time where they were totally different creatures. And that could have looked very differently. So I'm grateful that they wound up being really awesome. And the person who introduced me to BDSM, I was like, oh my God, I this is Pandora's box. I will never be the same. I can never fuck again. Nothing <laughs> will compare. It was so wild and opening. And I couldn't believe, I was like, wow, I did not know my body could do that. I didn't know I could go there. Um, it was the first time I would say I experienced orgasmic states of consciousness, like total subspace out into the cosmos kind of thing. I didn't have this language then, but that set me up because I knew that relationship was going to end. It had a time stamp on it. And all of that set me up for the work that I do now. And eventually I came, I came up against, oh, your heart has been totally closed off since that previous relationship where everything ended badly, it started to crack open right before I met Jordan. 
It was a post, a heartbreak that caught me by surprise with a, a person that was, it was casual, um, followed by a DMT experience <laughs> followed by just ripping through me grief and sadness and heartbreak and purging. And what am I doing with my life? And what, what do I, why am I saying I don't want marriage? Why am I saying I don't want a family? Why am I saying I, I only want certain things. This isn't coming from an empowered place, but I'm shouting it on social media from the rooftops that I'm an empowered woman making unconventional choices. So I went through an identity crisis yet again. What am I actually fucking doing here? And then I started writing about it. And then I did a live stream on it. And my husband saw me do the live stream on it. And he made contact right after he watched that video and said, you're beautiful inside and out. And I have to get to know you. He registered in me sharing on a live about my emotions and the, the place that I was in. Somewhere in that, he realized she's single and that won't last long. So he messaged me and we had a FaceTime date and we've basically been inseparable ever since our our first or second date. So. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I got chills so many times. I was on the verge of tears so many times and mm. hearing you share all of that. Wow. So much came up in that. And um, one of the things that came through when you were sharing about the, I guess the, the cruise ship love um, was just like, the deep life lessons that came from that. And, and both of you shared, you know, this, this idea of de-selfing or deprioritizing self, losing oneself. And it's so common in, in relationship. And I think it's, it's prevalent among women. Um, but there's something else that you had shared, Lex, that I want to see if I can remember and go back to it that really struck me um, is you'd said something about subspace. Mm. Oh, okay. So consensual non-monogamy and BDSM, right? So most of my listeners, I, I think are at least aware of what these, you know, what BDSM stands for and what consensual non-monogamy is. And it's just so fascinating because I think to, you know, the average person, it's like, okay, bondage and crazy shit with black leather. And then people who go and fuck a bunch of other people. Right. Poly communes. Like, yeah. That's like the, the impression that people have. So from both of your perspectives, because one of the things we talked about before hop, before hitting record was, um, how kink and sex can be healing. Mm-hmm. And so I would love for you to just both share from any lens that you want, either from, you know, an anatomical scientific lens an emotional lens, a lens of lived experience or client testimony. But I really want to overturn the paradigm that sex is bad, dirty, wrong, sinful, that BDSM is for weird people or people who are into just pain and crazy shit. And that ethical non-monogamy or consensual non-monogamy is people living on a commune who, you know, have dreadlocks and whatever people think, right? Like, I don't know what people think. I just, these are the images that I've gotten in my head before I got into this world. So what is that your understanding of this and your embodiment of being in these spaces 
done for you and, or how, how have they helped you transform? Um, Bren, if you'd like, I will just share quickly that way you can take it for a while <laughs> <All good. laughs> Only because I just shared that story. So I'm just going to yeah. double click on, on one little section of it, please. Um, I love so, your storytelling. Thanks. And I know I'm like, she's heard this story so many times. I fucking love it. Uh, uh, as if we weren't already soul sisters, soul sisters enough. Did you know that my first boyfriend and person that I had my sexual debut with, I met on a cruise ship. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> so as you're telling that, I'm like, I don't know if I've ever told her that. No, it's... never told me that. So I don't know why it <laughs> can make it relevant. Let's make it relevant. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So for me, like I mentioned my mom and, and her relationships and everything. And, you know, what's kind of wild is I'm 33 now and my mom is 65 and she is in the greatest love of her life at 50. Mm-hmm. And so this is also her longest relationship of her life is from 50 on, which is kind of incredible. And I love pointing that out too. And we, the whole family is obsessed with my stepdad. A lot of times we tell him, you know, like we know how she can be. So like, can we keep you, you know, like if she just goes like absolutely cray, can we keep you? Um, so it's really cute. But, um, so looking at, oh, so my biological father exited the scene at when I was three. So I also had an absent father and the men that did show up in my life didn't claim me. They were like, Oh, she, I'm dating this woman who also has a kid, mm-hmm. you know? And I also was like, yeah, I'm not yours, mm-hmm. you know? And so I never understood what being cared for by a man as a little girl I had zero conception, feeling in my body, understanding of that. And I didn't have the language that wasn't like something I was like, oh, I need to know what a daddy or a little girl, I need like need to know what that feels like. And it was through some BDSM experiences where only after the fact, when I unpacked it, maybe even years later, did I realize that the reason why I felt it was so healing and so connective for me was because it felt like that thing that I didn't get to have. Mm. So as an adult consenting in this deeply vulnerable space with someone that I care about and who cares deeply about me is holding me in a way that I've never experienced before. And yes, that is the person that I'm also having sexual intercourse with. But at the time when I'm feeling that deep connection, depending on what we're doing, you know, if it does have an edge of little girl or it does have an edge of daddy, which is a type of kink, DDLG, daddy, dom, little girl, mm. the sex isn't happening in a sense of like, I'm, I'm wanting to have sex with a child. It's very much the energies that are present in a caretaker and a being cared for role. Mm-hmm. And it's things like being put into a bathtub and then being taken out of a bathtub, like having it run for me and then being put in it and then being taken out of it and then dried off by someone and then having my hair brushed and having my clothes picked out. While that doesn't sound really like it's erotic, I imagine that there's some people who are hearing that and can can see themselves in that space where someone's doing that for them and can get turned on because of the level of care. Because, you know, it's just beyond me. I didn't know that that was going to happen. And of course, at the point when that was originally happening, I didn't even know that there was a whole community of people or, um, that this was something that many people across the globe 
intentionally played in that space. Mm. I didn't know. And so for me, it's an opportunity, I think, for a lot of times for me to visit the little girl inside that didn't get to experience being cared for by a man. And mm-hmm. it's and it has a unique edge to it, a very unique edge, not just like I'm with my husband and so I'm going to feel cared for. And, you know, it's a, it's different. This is different. And Jordan has now stepped up because when we first got together, he was as vanilla as it comes you know, and then he's meeting me. That's like on this vast exploratory journey. And I start trying to describe things like DDLG or various terms in BDSM and concepts in BDSM. And he's like, I have no idea. And so he's been on a journey of figuring out because he's very boyish and very charming. And so for him to figure out who, who am I as mature, grounded, dominant daddy, who am I if I am going to hold that space for you and help you heal? Because to the degree that you can heal, the wounds that you have associated with your parents is the degree that you can show up in my relationship as husband and wife. And that predetermines what we can gift to our children in the future. This is really big work. Mm. It's the biggest mm. work that I think people in relationships can do. And it just so happens that sex is at the crux of it. Not just intercourse, but sex, which is abroad. Lots of things can mean sex, right? So there's my two. Bryn just went on a really spicy journey, though. So I know she's got some new insights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I just deep resonance with so much of what you shared because it's really similar to my journey. Um, I think there's just a little a different take. So my access and first entry point to kink was through Alexa. The first time that I learned what BDSM was, I was, it's interesting, actually, I was reflecting on it as you were talking, every single one of my kink experiences, minus a small handful have been paid experiences where I am paying an educator or a sex worker to do this thing for me. And I had that aha moment the other day of like, oh, I've paid a sex worker and normalizing that of like, this is so valuable um, in my journey where I didn't have access to a partner that wanted to do this with me. So fuck yeah, I'm going to pay for that. And why not? And it was this light bulb of how empowering that could be to pay to have access to the thing that I could not give myself or didn't know how to give myself with a partner. Fuck. Okay. I just got to pause you. That excites me to no end Mm. because there are so many, again, another area of huge taboo misunderstanding this broad world of sex work Yeah, and work that, you know, not for everyone, unfortunately, but for many is a consensual service to the world based on an area of expertise, devotion, deep lived wisdom. And it's incredible and (laughs) just like brilliant because, you know, people could clump us like we're sex workers as well. We are working in the world of sex, intimacy, love. And it's, it's so rare to find women who seek that work from practitioners in a physical arena and so much more common to hear men seeking that work from Mm -hmm. practitioners and the shame that exists around it, the lack of empowerment, communication, intention that exists around it, not for all, but for Mm -hmm. some. And to hear a woman seek that out is 
just amazing. <laughs> I'm okay. so glad. Well, it's going to be quite the experience because not only did I, you know, embark in having a, a dominatrix take me through a conscious kink journey, it was filmed. So this will be available for people to watch at some point. And unfortunately, I can't share more details quite yet. Um, but one of my decisions, even though my internal state was saying, this is scary, be like, this is scary. You're putting your sexuality on display for the world to see what are people going to think of you? No matter how much work I had done, there was still a story attached to that. And I actively said, but the mission you are serving is bigger. I would much rather a hundred women get to see that episode and go, oh my God, look at what is possible in my sexuality. And that was bigger than any story that I was willing to sit with the bullshit of like, oh, what will people think of you? So in my most recent journey with this professional dominatrix, we sat through an extensive checklist of what my yeses were, my hell yeses, what my no's were. What was so powerful too is how kink has been healing for me as I found my voice. I found my ability to say, I want that. And then I get to sit with the deliciousness and the discomfort of somebody giving me the exact thing that I have asked for and how confronting and completely exhilarating that exact same request can be. So one of the requests that I had was, I want to be the full center of your attention. I want to be adored and worshiped and just to be the focus for this session together. And I remember there was a clear moment where she shifted her gaze and she said, I'm going to shift now from a place of neutrality to I'm going to penetrate you with my energy because you are my submissive and I'm in control. And I feel the energy right now. Just Me even too. I just got chills. I'm like, oh my God. And all of a sudden I thought, well, fuck, here's the thing that I thought I wanted. Do I actually want that? Because right now my body's doing all sorts of crazy things. And I'm not sure if I'm terrified or excited or all of the above. And what was so great about paying someone that is a professional dominatrix is she was able to read my body language. So she was able to go, oh, I sense some things coming up for you. What's present? And she would vacillate between this sexual, erotic, penetrative energy to nurturing caretaker, motherly energy. And so here I am also learning that not only can kink be sexual, it can be nourishing. It could be deeply nourishing. So I'm using my voice. I'm expressing my boundaries. I'm feeling very nourished in a non-sexual way. And then there was the piece in which the impact play began and so one of my other desires was the ability to be spanked and knowing now nothing to this day has gotten me more in my body than impact play. Mm. And as a woman whose mind is constantly running and didn't know any other type of sex other than how is he liking it? What is he thinking? How does my body look? And the story just fucking running. How much pleasure am I experiencing in that moment? Zero, little to none. But when I involve impact play and there is no other choice but to deeply be surrendered and in my body and what takes place after that is fucking magical. I am in, no, there are no thoughts running through my head. I am soupy. I am open. I am fully vulnerable, fully able to receive. And it makes me want to cry thinking about it. Like I want every woman on this planet 
every human to know what that feels like. And that that is what's possible in sex. And that if you've been unable to access presence in your body, there are really delicious tools. And maybe spanking isn't one of them for you, but I promise you, if you're willing to look, if you're willing to go past this kink is scary and dangerous and really see how beautiful and safe it can be, there is deep healing available for you. And I related so deeply to what Alexa said around this little girl, right? So one of my wounds growing up was winning daddy's approval, dad being absent. And I was consistently given approval in my life. When one of two things showed up, I was successful. I achieved something or I looked a certain way. So this cycle of act a certain way, look a certain way, and then you receive love. Now I've worked through that belief in so many different capacities, but what kink has done has been able to say, I'm actually going to go through this place of desiring approval from my dom and it's done consensually and in a healing capacity. So I said to Kimmy, she asked me, what phrases do you like hearing in sex? And I said, I love to be told that I'm a good little girl and what a good job I've done for you. And it's feeding the part of me that I didn't receive exactly like Alexa said, it's feeding the part of me that deeply craves approval but in a consensual, sexual, safe space where that part of me gets to be expressed without any fucking shame. And I like it. I love it. I love being called a good little slut and her saying what a good job I did. And then wrapping her arms around me and holding me and caressing me. And it's just so nourishing at a level that my nervous system goes, that's what you were looking for. And the mind fuckery though, for me now has been I want that. I want that space more than I've had opportunities to, for example, pay for it. And I get to sit with that longing and I get to create spaces for myself where I create that as much as I can and also hold a vision now where a partner will be able to meet me in that. But fuck is that space yummy. I do love to go there as much as I can. (laughs) Oh my God. Both of you, like I just... I'm so moved because Mm -hmm. I, it's, it's no coincidence that I have a very similar upbringing with very similar longings and desires. Um, and very similar to you, Bryn, I love being told I'm a good girl Mm -hmm. for some reason, being told I'm a bad girl doesn't, doesn't really do it for me, but I, my father traveled a lot for work. And when he was home, he's just incredible. Like best dad award for sure, in my opinion, of course. Um, but he was often not there. And so he would be gone for, you know, a week at a time, weeks, months. Um, and I had that longing for just uh, approval, approval from a man, you know, and, and not having my first beloved, my father really be present in the way that my little girl desired. So, I'm right there with both of you. And I'm so happy to learn about that, um, that particular realm, um, daddy, dumb little girl, because that, when you said that Lex, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I want to learn more about that. I want to know everything because there's this part of me now as I'm evolving, because I had a lot of my, um, sex life in performance, how do I look? Is my 
back arched enough? Do I make the sounds that women make in porn? Does my pussy look the way women's pussies look in porn? Am I, you know, is he pleased? How do I give the best blowjob? How do I, you know, make sure that my orgasm sounds really loud so he knows he's doing a good job? And all of this narrative and this weight, and it's, I have to, you know, be honest, it wasn't until my relationship with Ani where all of those walls came crashing down. And there is a part of me that even as I say this, um, almost perceived that I was going backwards because I'm like, wait, I've done all this work. I'm this sexually empowered woman. I can date whoever I want. I can fuck whoever I want. I can be on the dating apps. I can do this. I can walk into a room and I can name the guy that I'm taking home with me tonight and guaranteed it's going to happen. Like I had this whole identity wrapped around being able to just have my pick and use my sexual prowess, my physical appearance, my, you know, skills in flirting to, to gain validation and the love that I was so seeking as a child. And now there's this whole journey that I'm on to unravel, like, wow, I, there are moments when I don't feel sexual, like an adult woman. I feel like a child. I feel like, oh my God, we're here. We're naked. I just want to cry. Like, I just want to be held. I just want to have my hair pet and like my head pat. Like, I love when Ani just like pats my head and Mm -hmm. says, who's a good girl. And it's almost like, it just melts me. And I, I adore it. I love it. I feel so like loved in those moments. And so it's fascinating to navigate the childlike place as someone who's an adult in a sexual experience, which is things that, you know, an act that adults typically partake in. So a lot of identity reconciliation here too. Um, so thank you both for sharing that. Okay. So there's one more question that I want to make sure that I cover before we wrap, which is this idea of Bryn to use your program name, owning your orgasm, um, and just owning our pleasure in general, owning our needs, desires, boundaries. And I know Lex, you share amazing formats and tools around communication for this. Um, Through the lens of your personal experience and or your work, what does it really take to own your pleasure, own your orgasm? Like how, for, for women who are listening that are like, I feel numb. I don't know what I want. I feel bad every time I say yes, when it's really a no, I feel angry. I want to blame it on him or them or her. I don't, I spent so many years of my life like that. And I know so many others who are listening have, or are currently in that place right now, and they don't know where to turn. They don't have resources. So if you could share, you know, either what you think is most potent or the best tip or mindset that would really help a woman come more deeply into her pleasure and perhaps her orgasm as well, mm. what would that be? So my answer changes constantly. Um, and it's funny, right. As you go to ask me that question, I think Lex is saying the same thing. Uh, there's snow happening right in front of us in Austin, oh, yeah. Texas. It's, we're y'all. in Texas y'all. 
<laughs> so something's happening. We start talking about pleasure and hail comes down to Texas. <laughs> yeah. That's what I, all of a sudden I start hearing little like tap, 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 tap. And I'm like, yeah. what the fuck is happening over here? And yes. I look and I'm trying to find, I'm not seeing any snow, but then I see on the, the roof across from me, there's little balls rolling mm-hmm. down it of ice. <laughs> so oh, Texas. What first came to mind, and like I said, this question is different and I have an answer that's a default, but I want to go somewhere different, which is we're going to slow everything down. Mm. We're going to slow everything down and we're going to rewire. We're going to unwire and then rewire what you have learned. It means to feel pleasure in your body. One of the most impactful embodied experiences I've ever had to this day as a sexual woman was I went to a workshop and we had a yoni egg. So for those of you listening, you may or may not know, but it is a crystal egg that is inserted vaginally. And there's all different reasons and um, uh, properties to these stones of how it connects you to your womb space and the stones carry different properties. But we were doing breath work and the entirety of that night was to be slow and present with the sensations in our body. And at times I wanted to fucking fight it. Everything in me was like, I'm used to fast. I'm used to penetration immediately. I'm used to going from zero to 100. But if I look at the data, my body doesn't like that. Right. So it was this disconnect. And we were talking about this before the podcast between mind and body. My mind is saying full steam ahead, body is saying, I don't think so. And so to me, owning your orgasm means going way slower than you have ever moved before and literally waiting until your pussy has opened and is begging to be penetrated. And in this experience, we have the egg and we're breathing, we're touching our breasts. Now, given I'm in a room with 30 other women. And while we're not necessarily like looking at one another, it is very potent and present that we are all experiencing sexual energy and shoulder to shoulder. And I am feeling my nipples. I'm caressing my neck. I've got coconut oil and I'm wearing this open wrap dress and I'm touching my breasts and I've slid my dress to the side and I've pulled my underwear down. And it is really potent sexual energy. And I am letting the anticipation build and build and build until she said, she's like, you'll know when the egg wants to be taken in because you will literally feel your pussy just go like and suck it right up. And I remember I got to the point where I was literally begging my own self to be penetrated and I'm going to cry again. I'd never felt that before. I'd never at 32 years old felt what it felt like to fully open to myself, which means every sexual experience I'd had prior to that was me moving too fast for my own body. Mm. And what a gift it was to me to feel that embodied difference because I'd heard it before, but I had not felt it. And so now my continuous practice is to slow down. And last night, I brought myself to orgasm multiple times before I even considered putting my crystal wand inside of me because now my body just understands a different way of moving and a different way of being. And I still try to fight it. Sometimes the programming comes in or sometimes I just don't want to take my time and that's okay too. But in the beginning, especially in the beginning, when you're learning what you like, what you desire and everything feels new and soupy take your time, take your sweet, sweet time and enjoy letting your body open. Mm. Wow. I cried too. (laughs) I'm 
seconds away from bleeding. So I'll just put that out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Happy moon time. Thank you. I am seconds away from ovulating. So Ooh. in hearing all of these stories, I have a, sh- I have shelves of dildos behind me <laughs> and I'm just like, I have to be done with this right now. I have to rub <laughs> myself against something. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was so beautiful. And I really, really, I almost want to leave it. That was enough for now on that subject. Sure, I can chime in. But in reality, you said it perfectly. There, meet yourself. Mm. Slow way down. Mm. I think what you shared, Lee, um, the, the thing that came up for me that's relevant, the share that you had, and then also the question is that in those times, kind of bringing you back to the DDLG, when you had times where you feel like being held or you feel kind of made, the word that came up to me for me is was fussy in some mm-hmm. way, which is a term that's usually used for children. Like, oh, they're being fussy. And instead of like, why can't I just be the adult? Why can't I just be the erotically empowered woman? Rah, rah, rah. What if in those times you slow down yeah. And you allow yourself to be the fussy little girl mm. and you ask your partner to maybe not in that. So you'd have, I, I would say it's a, probably a conversation that you have outside of that dynamic yeah. first, or when you feel it come up and you say, Hey, when this is happening, I would like your permission to go here because it is a step along the way, erotic, embodied, empowered, whatever sensual, slow, orgasmic woman is on the other side of it. And, and by acknowledging the, the little girl in the feels that come up in that moment and having a partner that's like, oh, come here on my lap. Come here, come here. It's all going to be okay. You're a good girl, you know, to say that and to be held. And the next thing, you know, there's sweetness and maybe there's tears and then there's a kiss and then there's a market shift. Oh, you're my person. Yeah. You know, so that, that, um, the combination of the share and the question was really the the main thing that came up for me because like I said, Bryn really put a nice, very delicious bow (laughs) on how to own your orgasm. And I wouldn't expect her not to because she runs a program for sex and love co (laughs) called own your orgasm, which is about way more than having an orgasm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, wow. I'm I barely know where to begin. My heart is so open right now. I feel on the verge of tears, like in a little puddle because so much of what both of you shared in this conversation landed so deeply for me. And I know that as this podcast hits the airwaves, the same is going to be true for those who tune in, no matter what their gender identification is. There's so much here, particularly in the slowing down That's a big part of the journey that I'm on right now. And I actually just wrote a social media post about this for next week in the fact that my identity for so long was wrapped around the efficiency, utility, getting shit done, like being the one who produces results, right? Getting approval and praise based on performance, grades, looks, whatever it is. So there was so much that you said in that, Bryn, that really, really just landed. And I want you to know, and everyone who's listening, that I'm right here with you on this journey. You know, I I don't know that I have any more figured out than anyone else. 
And I'm learning and growing and stumbling and vulnerable as I navigate my own sexuality, my own preferences, desires, fears, boundaries. And it's so powerful to have conversations with other women who are doing the same, because then we get to see that like we're all walking the path together and it's beautiful and vulnerable and raw and real and sexy as fuck and all the things. So I want to thank you both so much for revealing your hearts, sharing your wisdom and just showing up and playing full out in your lives and your businesses, in your relationships and here today that it's so, so appreciated. Um, and I know we got to like a third of the things that I had written on my list. So we'll have to come back for a part two and maybe three and four and more. Um, but if you could just leave the listeners with like one simple, quick thing, anything that's coming through for you, like what's here for you right now that you would want every sexual being to know. Trust yourself. Mm. It's really kind of cheesy. Not the trust yourself. I like that even though <laughs> said a lot. But. So you're like, what's the thing that comes up? And I am a huge Incubus fan for anyone who's a product, a child of the yeah. 90s, right? Uh-huh. So I have two tattoos that are Incubus lyrics. I have an under boob tattoo that says in this moment, I am happy in mm. Thai because I was in Thailand when I got it and I thought that was cool. Um, and then I have the first, the first lyric that I got is love is a verb from mm. the song here in my room, which isn't like a super well-known song, but, um, if you listen to the the lyrics of the whole song, it's really sweet. It's very erotic. It's very slow. And then there's the part in the song where he says, love is a verb here in my room. It's something that he doesn't say it's something that we do, but that's what's implied. Love is a verb here in my room. So this is an act that we do, not just, um, it's also an adjective and a noun and all of the other terms and grammar. And, um, but the, that's what really came up. So I'm just going to go with my first love is love is a verb. Do it. it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you both. I know that I'm leaving expanded, curious, turned on. Um, so for everyone who's listening, where can our listeners find you? And is there anything you want to share with them about what's coming up for y'all in terms of like offerings and, and the work that you do? It feels weird to end the show. That's so sweet and lovely with like, and you can find me in my program over here and of course <laughs> over there. Yeah. Okay. If you like us, find us on social media. And then if you want to know what we're up to, the links in our bios usually have whatever the newest offerings are. So mm-hmm. people really are inspired by the work that we do that are like, I want to make my living. I want to, I want, that's my purpose and my message as well. And just where to start is a challenge. Find us. We've decided to make it a part of our business to make more of us, more wealthy, embodied, successful sex, love, relationships, sexuality, sensuality, coaches, and mentors in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've got a thing or two figured out that we can help you with. (laughs) Find us. And then of course, Bryn. And you can find me on Instagram at that sex chick. 
And then Bryn, you can share your piece too. Yeah. Um, at Bryn Daler. And yeah, I totally agree. I think just consistently living our truth and being in the light and also being willing to touch our darkness has shown a lot of people what is possible. And I will stand by that. And that's where you can find us. Lovely. Thank you both for sharing your love and your wisdom today. I so appreciate you. Uh, for everyone tuning in, connect with Lex and Bryn on social media. And if there's something that like really moved you in this episode that really impacted you, like reach out and let them know. Reach out and let me know. We want this message to get to the people that it's meant to. So give them some love. I will see you all next time. And until then, wishing everyone so much love and good vibes. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to the show and spread the love by sharing this episode out on social media and to all the powerful women in your life. And if you're ready to play full out and create heart-throbbing love, hop on over to my website to see all the juicy ways you can do just that. www.leenoto.com Fellow wild woman, I appreciate you. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love and all the good vibes. Thank you.